0: Hello and welcome to the Low Tox Life Podcast. I'm Alex Stewart, your host, and today is show 105. And I'm super happy to have a wonderful activist with me today, Mike Shade, one of the cooler names I've ever heard, from the Safer Chemicals Healthy Families organization, so saferchemicals.org if you want to check that out, um, either via the show notes or um, just jump onto Google whenever. Uh, And I'm very inspired by the work these guys do. So basically they fight for obviously for a strong chemical policy, as the name would suggest, but they work with retailers to phase out hazardous chemicals and transform the marketplace and then educate the public about how to protect our families from toxic chemicals. So while there's a huge crossover in both of the work we do to educate on toxic chemicals, what I love about what they're doing um, to work with the retailers is it helps them give weight to the arguments that we all want to have with these chemical companies with governments because a retailer you know especially one of the big big retailers like huge ha- hardware stores and huge uh, places like Walmart you know massive massive companies. Uh, If they decide to ban something, then it really gives kudos to the whole argument that we should really be protecting. Uh, our, our planet and our health uh, a lot more than we currently are. And I found it really inspiring at how smartly they work. And so it's not just working hard and trying to get as much information out there as possible, but really organized, driven campaigns. And Mike takes us through a couple of them today and I just, I was completely inspired and it's made me think about what we can do more um, effectively together to move the needle on issues either in Australia or any Anywhere in the world, really, if we all start to think smarter about how we organise and how we uh, demand for safer products in our marketplace and in our food, safer farming as well. So I know you're going to love that chat. And before I hook into that, I just want to remind you that the book is now available in the US. Head to Amazon.com to grab your copy. Uh, please, if anyone has a minute or two this week and you can jump online to wherever you might uh, have bought the book from and leave a review uh, and share why you enjoyed the book so much, why you think it was useful, that would just be amazing because it helps people who are shopping around online for a book it it helps us appear in those suggested kind of little sections and it just helps people who've never heard of Lotox Life go oh wow that looks cool and people are saying good things. So thank you for helping me spread the word on the book out there because I can't obviously just you know up and leave my family and start giving talks all across the U.S. As much as I would like to be able to um, give talks all across the U.S., the practicality is just not there. So for you guys to help me spread the word would just be amazing. Thank you. Now, Walida are our show supporter for another couple of weeks and you have 20% off the entire Walida range and free delivery for $29.95 or more purchases. Obviously that excludes gift vouchers, gift packs, and things that are already on discount, but you can use that code a couple of times. So if you place an order this week, you get your stuff next week. Wow. That's really, really beautiful. I want to get another one while I've still got that discount. Then that means that you can, the, uh, offer ends, um, on the 7th of October. So it actually spills a little bit into next month. Now, I just wanted to share that Walida has just received the UEBT certification for sourcing with respect uh, as the first European beauty brand and one of only two companies globally globally. Did you hear that? Two companies globally, which is a huge deal, uh, very worth talking about. And uh, and I think, you know, often people can just ask a green chemistry lab to come up with a nice formula and wax certified organic on the front and it's perfectly lovely, perfectly safe. Uh, but uh, often I think, you know, when you, you come across these rare brands that are truly pioneering in all of the work that they do and really take things to the next level on – across every aspect of their business. Uh, Walida always seems to come up uh, and deliver in spades in in the area of um, respectful sourcing, fair trade partnerships and helping to build communities through the work that they partner with communities around the world to do to grow their beautiful biodynamic plants. You know, it's a really, really inspiring thing. So congratulations to Walida on that incredible UEBT certification, which is almost impossible to get, thus only two companies in the world having it. Uh, Another little thing about Walida that I find super cool, uh, especially for the people in the Southern Hemisphere coming into spring and summer where our bees love doing their thing, uh, is the b and b Hotel Project for Schools. And uh, it is such a great initiative and I've included some details in the show notes about that because... Our beautiful little pollinators are very important to us and developing an awareness of biodiversity in our children as they grow means that they just have that extra element of conscious uh, living that we just didn't have as 80s kids growing up in cities, you know, and I think it's an amazing thing to to see how we can raise our kids to be more whole beings, caring about themselves, their health, the planet, community, uh, and, uh, and our beautiful little pollinators. So go check out the b Hotel Project uh, on the show notes. It's super, super cool. Now, uh, you know, there's, there's, there's no better example of uh, safer chemicals than a brand like Walida, but to the point of this uh, week's show, I'll bring it back to this incredible conversation with Mike Shade, and I will challenge anyone not to feel inspired by the end of this show about what we can all do to come together and make our planet safer, make healthier humans, and uh, and create a thriving environment all around. So enjoy the show this week.
1: Hey, Mike, how are you? Great. Thanks so much for uh, for having me on your show. I appreciate
0: it. I'm really excited to have you here because if there's something that people often feel a frustration around uh, when they take one of our courses or they've read all the articles on our blog and they've been chatting in the groups and they're really on board with making these changes at a personal level or even at a small community level around their school or their workplace – a lot of people mm. have found still feeling like there's still not enough dots that I can join to the big, big issues and who can I connect to and how can I start to make a bigger difference uh, if I'm that way inclined, uh, you know. And, and this is why I think it's so important for us to have conversations with people such as yourself Uh, working for the incredible uh, Safer Chemicals organization because you guys are doing everything and it really helps show all of us what we can work to do next or how we can make a bigger difference. So I'm really, really thrilled to have you here. Now, I'd love to start by just kind of asking you, do, do you identify with the term activist? You're the campaign director, obviously, but do you feel that on a personal level Uh, a call to justice in doing this work?
1: Oh, absolutely. Mm. Uh, You know, I really believe in the power of, you know, ordinary people to, to make change. You know, it's, you know, a little corny to some extent. But, you know, if you look at, you know, the history of this country and the history of this world, you know, time and time again, you know, we see incredible inspiring stories of ordinary Citizens, ordinary individuals, working with their neighbors, working with their communities to, uh, you know, hold big corporations accountable and, uh, you know, really transform society. I mean, I was really <clears throat> personally inspired to work on these issues. Uh, growing up, I went to college uh, in upstate New York in Buffalo, uh, and not too far from there was a was a community called Love Canal. Uh, back in the late 1970s. Uh, this neighborhood discovered that uh, their school and their community was built on top of and next to uh, tens of thousands of tons of toxic chemicals, some of the most poisonous chemicals on the planet, like dioxin. And neighbors came together, they organized, they formed a community group, and through their advocacy, they uh, got the school shut down. Uh, They got the entire community of hundreds and hundreds of families relocated, and it led to the creation of this federal law that uh, provides resources to clean up toxic waste sites. And, you know, so growing up in college, uh, that really kind of, uh, that was a real eye, eye-opening moment for me to, to kind of learn about the ways in which ordinary people can really uh, make an incredible difference. So, mm. uh, and that, you know, that really got me on a path to working on, on these issues, you know, learning about this community that, uh, was literally being poisoned by uh, the chemical industry and, you know, seeing the way and learning about the way in which uh, they were able to, uh, to make change. And so I very much identify as a activist or campaigner. I mean, you Mm. know, it's really been my life's mission. What were you Uh, studying at uni out of curiosity? Uh, I went to school for, uh, well, originally I was going to school as a graphic designer, Mm -hmm. uh, and then, you know, the more that I thought about it, I was like, you know, I don't really want to have to, you know, design things to to try to convince people to buy things that they don't actually need. Yeah, uh,
0: interesting. And I was really,
1: I was really kind of depressed about the idea of, you know, just kind of uh, getting, you know, into advertising and then just, you know, selling, yeah. you know, trying to convince people to sell, uh, you know, cheap plastic stuff. So. I got really uh, excited and interested in environmental issues, and I uh, went to school for uh, environmental studies Mm. uh, in Buffalo, New York. Cool.
0: Little twists and turns, and little things happen, and then you go, ooh, there's something that feels different inside when I talk about that issue. And I'll never forget, I come from a hospitality background. And um, I was doing these whiskey and cheese matching events with a girlfriend of mine who's an amazing cheese expert. Mm. And um, wow. I know, was good fun. <laughs> we had a lot of fun, <laughs> I'll tell you what. But a, one of my oldest friends came to one of the last ones that I did when I was like, I just don't feel called to this work anymore. And one of the whiskeys was organic. And mm. she said to me afterwards, the way you lit up, as soon as you started talking about the history of the organic distillery, you mm. just knew that you were headed towards the right light, you know, in terms, cause I was thinking of making that change myself towards, um, uh, health education. And yeah, it's so funny, isn't it? Just little things kind of niggle at you on the inside and, and light you right. up and you can't ignore right. it after a while. Yeah, mm. Absolutely yeah cool. And so what made you join you know obviously you had a bit of career time doing a few different things, but what made you join the safer chemicals organization because that's that probably was a big decision to step into a role this big
1: yeah no i've been I've been working on uh, toxics and environmental health issues and challenges uh, pretty much since I graduated college for Uh, the past uh, 17 years, Um, you know, and our organization is, you know, really working to safeguard the public from uh, uh, the chemical industry's poisons. Mm. Uh, You know, some of the reasons we work on these issues is because obviously huge chemical companies, companies like Dow and DuPont, are (laughs) reaping huge, huge profits from the sale of uh, toxic chemicals that end up in our homes and food and environment and, and even, if anyone our, didn't need, even our baby's bodies.
0: Yes, exactly. And if anyone needed another reason to not buy Crocs, DuPont are the company who make the plastic for Crocs.
1: Right, mm. right, right. Yeah, no, I mean, you know, companies like DuPont are, you know, very much intimately tied to some of the worst of the worst chemicals that are out there like PFAS chemicals. So, you know, our organization was really, you know, looking at uh, ways we can, uh, you know, Reform our nation's broken chemical safety system, a, a law called TOSCA, the Toxic Substances Control Act. Mm-hmm. Uh, that law here in the U.S. has been uh, an utter failer, failure. We and it was back in man-
0: the 70s, wasn't it, that this actually yeah. came? And, and it's only just now starting to be looked at for review. Is that right?
1: Yeah, it was yeah. Uh, first enacted in the, in the late 1970s. And, you know, like I said, it's been an utter failure. Mm. Uh, the government has only safely tested uh, about 200 chemicals uh, out of over 85,000 chemicals that are on the market, <laughs> wow. uh, yeah. making our children really vulnerable to exposure to toxic chemicals. And you know, since TOSCA was enacted, uh, you know, scientists have been sounding the alarm that chemicals are uh, linked to serious illnesses in our society, uh, cancers, learning disabilities, uh, infertility, uh, and increasingly, we're learning that. Uh, chemicals play a really important role in uh, this uh, uh, silent epidemic of uh, chronic diseases that are on the rise in our communities. So Mm. our organization, Safer Chemicals Healthy Families, was founded uh, about 10 years ago to advocate for reform of our federal chemical safety system, uh, but then at the same time to really leverage the power and influence of huge retailers, huge corporations to to drive uh, dangerous chemicals out of their products and packaging and uh, and global supply chains.
0: Amazing. And thank you for the work you do on behalf of everyone in the low-tox community. We all appreciate it because to have organisations like you guys fighting the good fight out there is always just so reassuring. Um, I'm curious to know how you've managed to, over the years, uh, as Safer Chemicals Healthy Families, sort of almost bring under your wing or create a a network, if you like, of 450 organisations. And like the idea that some of these organisations are really small kitchen table gatherings of people in local communities coming together, kind of like that example you gave of seeing those people um, overcome uh, the toxic ground situation. Like I, I just find that so inspiring. How do you make it work? How does everybody connect? (laughs)
1: <laughs> it's not easy. No. Uh, you know, I it's bet. often it's oftentimes like herding cats. Yeah. Um yeah, no, we um you know, we saw an opportunity because there were all these organizations around the country that were working on and concerned about toxic threats, but uh weren't always necessarily working together, uh particularly around the same goals to reform uh federal laws. So uh we brought together a coalition of uh, public health groups that, for example, represent uh, folks with um, health problems like uh, breast cancer and learning disabilities, um, health care providers and research institutions like doctors and nurses, uh, uh, mainstream environmental organizations, uh, state-based and community-based organizations, environmental justice groups, labor groups. Uh, and so bringing all these different... Uh, organizations together under, you know, a common tent was definitely not easy. But, you know, when we looked at how badly broken our uh, federal uh, safety net is when it comes to addressing hazardous chemicals and everyday products that we bring into our homes, um, you know, people really saw the need that Ah uh, we're never gonna solve this problem if we don't work together. Mm. Uh, and that was really why you know that was really the impetus for for founding our organization. and we have you know different means of uh, different organizations plugging into uh, the campaign for for many years. We had a steering committee of roughly thirty organizations that were guiding uh, you know our, our our platform for reform, and then we had different ways that other groups could participate in campaigns through. Weekly conference calls or monthly conference calls or being on our email list and so on. So, Mm, you know, we found ways, you know, different ways for different organizations to plug in based on their capacity and interest to engage in in a campaign. Right. So,
0: is it almost like when you decide you guys want to go after a particular chemical or a particular retailer? you like do a, a blast campaign out to everybody on the list who's one of these 450 organizations you say, this is what we want to go after. This is why who's with us, who wants to get involved. Is it that kind of a way that you, you initiate people? Jumping yeah. in? Yeah.
1: Yeah. No, we definitely, you know, uh, communicate with, uh, the members of the coalition and the participants through email. Uh, I'm on way too many conference calls. <laughs> I bet. So, so through our mind the story campaign, we have uh, planning calls uh, every other week, uh, where we bring together uh, the organization's you know key state, local, and national partners that are most active in the campaign, you know to plan our, our activities on a on a biweekly basis. So mm. you know it's a mix of uh, email communications, phone calls, and then of course uh, uh, in person organizing as well. You know there's nothing. Uh, that beats uh, meeting face to face with yeah, uh, with course. members. But as yeah. a, as an organization, that you know, we don't do that as much as we'd like to. But uh, so yeah, so there's different ways in which we you know uh, partner with uh, or engage in conversation with uh, members of uh, the coalition. And it, like I said, it's oftentimes like herding cats, but uh, <laughs> it's really it's really exciting when we you know get folks really pumped and excited about you know one particular uh, focus because when we are able to kind of Uh, bring people together uh, we're able to really create a perfect storm of campaign activity that has uh, in uh, you know at certain times really been transformative to uh, to really uh, hold uh, Mm. both government and uh, corporations accountable for for poisoning us.
0: Amazing so like given we're on this right now I almost feel a sense of suspense hearing you talk about that so passionately when it does work. Can you share with us a recent time when it really has worked and you guys have have totally kicked
1: goals? (laughs) Yeah, um, I can give a few different examples. What's your Um, favorite? Like, you're just like, man,
0: if we could do that every month, this would be the best. Right,
1: right. Um, Yeah, I think my favorite was uh, actually one of my favorite campaigns is one that we've been working on uh, recently this year. Uh, we've been working on a campaign to get big uh, home improvement and uh, big box and uh, paint stores to uh, phase out and ban the sale of uh, paint strippers uh, containing uh, the chemical uh, the chemicals methylene chloride and uh, NMP yes, I don't know please. if you have you oh, yes. have you heard about these chemicals mm-hmm. or yeah. Yeah. So I'm sure, you know, many, many folks have done home improvement projects where you have to remove, you know, the paint from your wall or furniture or flooring. Uh, and some of these products are actually, uh, really toxic and in fact can be, uh, deadly, especially Mm -hmm. in the case of, uh, methylene chloride. Mm -hmm. Uh, since, uh, the eighties in the U S alone, it's killed at least 60 people. Uh, many of them are DIY consumers. Yeah, it's, it's really sad. And so under the new uh, chemical safety law that we uh, got passed a couple of years ago, uh, last year, the EPA, under uh, the, the new authority that they had, the Obama EPA, announced that they were uh, proposing to ban products containing these two chemicals, methylene chloride and NMP. NMP is also quite nasty. It mm. can cause uh, serious reproductive harm. So, uh, you know, recognizing that the, the Trump EPA was sadly uh, not so excited about doing anything meaningful on chemicals, mm-hmm. uh, we launched a campaign uh, challenging uh, big home improvement stores, companies like Home Depot and Lowe's and uh, big box stores like Walmart and others to, to phase out the sale of uh, these products. And, you know, we launched online petitions. We uh, for one company, Lowe's, we generated over 200,000 petitions to the retailer. Uh, we organized uh, protests and actions and firing and press events uh, outside of their stores and states all across the country from Maine to uh, California to Washington. Uh, we, we told the company we were going to Go to their shareholder meeting and uh, deliver uh, these petitions. And you know, one of the one of the really uh, powerful things about this campaign has been working with uh, families uh, who lost loved ones uh, to these products. And uh, one of the things that was really interesting and ironic and really deeply sad is when we first launched the campaign last year, we sent Lowe's a letter. And we said, hey, you know, we're really concerned about this. We want you to act. EPA is saying these are bad chemicals. We think you should do the right thing. And we sent them them a list of products. And we're like, here are examples of products that you sell that contain uh, these chemicals. And, you know, so we started talking with the company. And, you know, we were meeting with them over many months. And maybe about six to seven months later, uh, there was a young man, a a 31-year-old entrepreneur. He was, you know, really... uh, just getting a small business started off. He and a friend of his, a roommate, were starting a a coffee business, and uh, he bought a paint stripper, uh, one of the very same products that we uh, warned the company about, and he was using it to refinish the flooring in his business. Mm -hmm. Uh, And sadly, um, that product uh, killed him. He didn't come home home one night. Uh, His uh, business partner, who is also his roommate, uh, went to work the next day and and sadly found him uh, lying dead there in, in their uh, in their facility and, uh, it, and was one it, of the, it was is it lung poisoning?
0: Is that what happens?
1: Um, it can uh, so this chemical methylene chloride it uh, it can volatilize or evaporate into the air really easily and uh, it can actually uh, in certain situations like in enclosed uh, rooms with little ventilation. Uh, it can be deadly. It can kill you uh, within minutes. It can wow. cause asphyxiation. It can mm. uh, it can even uh, trigger a heart attack. So, you know, a lot of people that have been killed by these products have been pretty young. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, since EPA proposed banning this, there's been at least four people uh, that we know of in, in America that have been killed from using these products. And one of the things that was really uh, interesting and really devastating and sad about this one story was that the product that this young man bought was one of the very same products that we warned Lowe's about when we wrote to them. Oh, wow. Uh, So, you know, they were, uh, we uh, were contacted by the family, and when we heard about this story, we were, of course, just completely outraged and devastated, and so uh, through this campaign, we've been working with this family and other families who, uh, who have lost loved ones, and they've been just incredible advocates in uh, voices for change, and that's been really uh, inspiring. Seeing the ways in which they've uh, turned their family stories of grief and sadness, and and turn that turn that around into action. I mean, these, especially these moms who have who have lost their sons, they've just mm. been such incredible uh, advocates. The so, strongest
0: kinds of people. You see it. Oh in, yeah. You see it in the gun violence stuff. You see it. You see it in you know these. It, it it does, yeah, the families who are, are, are completely devastated, for them to then be able to turn around and make that situation a gift to a, a slightly better world is just one of the most incredible things you can ever witness.
1: Right, right, mm. absolutely. I mean, it's been so incredibly inspiring and humbling to work with them. Mm. So, um, so that's been really um, – Motivating, I think, for us to to work and and empowering to work with these families and find ways that we can help them raise their voices to be uh, to be change makers. And so through this campaign, uh, we were you know we started out, we sent the companies letters, we were meeting with them, and you know recognizing that uh, EPA was really not moving forward with banning these chemicals, we really decided we needed to uh, ramp it up. So we. Uh, started generating uh, tons and tons of media coverage there's some really amazing uh, CBS uh, national TV stories uh, interviewing um, some of these families which I encourage your listeners to check out if you just oh, we Google will. can
0: you okay yeah tell us what to Google
1: yeah if you just Google CBS news methylene chloride yeah. uh, death you'll probably find a few different stories uh, which I know sounds kind of creepy and ominous but that's probably the quickest way to find it yeah gotcha. um and you know, so uh, we've you know been uh, we launched this public campaign, and within two months, we uh, we got Lowe's, uh, who is one of the biggest uh, uh, home improvement stores, not only in the U.S. but uh, in the world. They're the second largest uh, home improvement store in the world. Uh, they announced that they were going to stop selling uh, these products in all of their stores, not just in the U.S. but in Canada and other countries where they're at. Uh, by the end of uh this year which was uh, a huge victory for Woo-hoo!
0: us. That's so yeah. good.
1: Go you guys. That's massive. Yeah. And it you know and it really shows the power that we as consumers and advocates have to 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 push retailers and challenge big corporations to to change their practices. But we didn't start there as soon as we won on Lowe's uh we said to other companies, "Hey, if you guys don't move soon, you're going to be the next company that we target with our campaign Mm. Uh, so within uh, I think just a week or two of Lowe's uh, making their commitment yeah uh, see here Lowe's made their commitment on May 29th Uh, just a couple weeks later two weeks later on June 15th Sherwin-Williams who is the uh, biggest uh, specialty retailer of paints Mm -hmm. uh, here in North America they're another uh, giant retailer they have over 4,000 stores they made exact same commitment and then four days later, the Home Depot, who is the world's largest uh, home improvement retailer, they're the yeah, biggest they're in the U.S., the biggest worldwide. Yeah, they're huge. They have over 2,000 stores. They also committed to, to ban uh, these very same products. So just in one month's time, we were able to turn around three of the biggest retailers worldwide uh, wow. that sell these products. And uh, and we're now in the process of leveraging uh, these commitments with other major, uh, other major stores. And uh, I can't name names yet because mm. it's not public. But just in the past week alone, we've heard from three other massive retailers that are that are joining these. So it, you know, it really shows that um, how we're able to achieve almost like a domino effect with yeah. these companies. Once we're able to get one to move, we're able to flip the entire industry. And it also, I think, shows that when uh, when federal governments don't act, we as consumers, we as citizens, really have the power to to, to hold these big corporations accountable and use their power and influence to get poisonous chemicals uh, off of store shelves. And sometimes we can even do it more quickly and more effectively uh, than the government uh, than the government can. I mean, and oh, I believe warm- we always don't. can. Yeah, right. And don't get me wrong, we're still pushing the government, the EPA, to act, but uh, sadly we don't have a lot of confidence in we this. We don't have uh, all day. <laughs> Trump I mean, EPA. really we don't have all day
0: uh, no. in terms no. of that kind of stuff. And and the thing is, like, my favourite thing about all of this is and and why I love, and we'll go into this in a sec, why you have on your website policy, retailers and education is because once right. people are educated – We can literally just not buy something based on our education of that thing. And people aren't going to make what we don't buy. They've literally got to sink or swim, change their formulas, develop a different product line, or they go bust. And and with shareholders, they don't want to do that. So it's a a very powerful, like I love that you guys are going after the retailers. And even just in doing that, it's got me... Me cooking in my mind, going, Oh, we go after it. What could we do here in Australia? And, um, but, but what I love is like it's also a let's help you get this stuff out and then give you great press for doing such a great job.
1: It's kind of like good, it's kind of like good dog theory, you know, here's the liver treat, right? Right, right, yeah. And we definitely, you know, play that up in our communications with companies because, you know, look, consumers. You know, this isn't the 1950s anymore. Consumers yeah. want to buy products that are safe and healthy for them and their families, and we think that there's a real uh, market opportunity for companies to do the right thing. And if they don't, uh, their reputation and their brand is at serious risk. Mm. You know, so just you know, a couple of years ago, a classic case uh, is Lumber Liquidators. They were caught with their pants down. They were selling flooring with uh, illegal levels of formaldehyde that was uh, migrating out and getting into the air of their customers homes mm-hmm. uh, 60 minutes did a, a massive expose on it and uh, the company uh, you know they were they were uh, they were facing outrage from their customers their shareholders were super pissed off their stock plummeted mm-hmm. and because of the controversy and all the negative press attention, Ah, uh, their CEO is forced to resign. Yeah. so it really shows that when when companies are not being proactive about um, managing and uh, addressing chemical risks, mm-hmm. uh, there's a huge business liability for companies that are not uh, getting on top of this. And that's one of the things that we you know we try to point out to to companies that it's not only the right thing to do, but there's there's a strong business case for action. And if you don't uh, and if you don't take action, uh, you're going to face a massive backlash, backlash from your customers and investors and the media, and you know we've we've found that to be really effective, really to harness the power of consumers and investors and and the media to drive uh, these these huge companies to to change and and Absolutely. to do the right thing
0: because you're literally dangling a carrot in front of them, saying, "Okay, this right, is all the right. money you guys." we'll be making in the next year or not because we may just right. spill the beans or educate all your customers right. about what's in this and this and, uh, and all of this could go away if you're not a good <laughs> – yeah, I just love it. I think it's so smart, yeah. such right. a powerful way to organise – so, well, thank you. yeah, no, for sure. And so back to that um, idea of you guys working to policy, working to retailers, working to education. And I know you meant, mentioned that you're frustrated with the current situation um, yeah, policy or lack of perhaps as it stands right now. And right. Um, um, But I saw that Tosca was being brought back under review some 35-odd years after the last time it was – um yeah. Um, Put in place and as you say was a big fat failure. What are you seeing now? And is there anything you guys are going after in in this review?
1: Yeah, so we worked for for years to um, to advocate for reform of uh, this this federal law Mm. and uh, We were able to get a new piece of legislation passed uh, in 2016 about two years ago uh, now, it wasn't the ideal legislation that we wanted. Uh, it's not perfect. There's definitely some things in it that we're not happy about. But, you know, if you think about how did it compare to the old regime, uh, it's a significant improvement. It gives EPA the tools and the authority for the first time in a generation to to regulate and ban uh, dangerous chemicals in everyday consumer products. Uh, right now, the EPA is evaluating... Uh, 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 about 15 to 20 chemicals that they're considering whether to restrict or not. Mm-hmm. Uh, these chemicals in paint strippers are among the first that they propose banning under the new authority. Uh, but sadly we have uh, this new administration that is really working to turn back the clock and bring us back to the stone age on <clears throat> on chemicals. And In fact, we have lobbyists <clears throat> we have a lobbyist and scientist that used to work for the for the chemical industry, who is now in charge of, of the the office at the EPA that is uh, supposed to be implementing this new law. So it's a classic case of the, the fox guarding the hen house. We have mm. someone that used to work for the very same industry uh, <clears throat> that uh, they're now in charge of regulating. So it's a really sad situation because we worked for um, close to 10 years to fight for, uh, to fight for this law. We, we now have this new law, but this new administration is really doing everything they can to undermine its effectiveness. So, you know, we've been, uh, you know, meeting with the agency, mobilizing consumers to submit comments on public comment periods. And we've even, uh, gotten involved in litigation. We've, uh, filed a lawsuit or two, uh, or as in legal terms, a petition, mm. uh, and we're taking EPA to court. We're taking the Trump EPA to court because if wow. uh, they want o- over what? To do the right thing. Uh, you know, it's basically over, it gets super nerdy. Mm. No, go for it. the really, community folks, is very nerdy. <laughs> yeah, I would encourage, uh, if you really want to kind of dive into the, the nuances of the policy, uh, go to saferchemicals.org and click on policy and you can get uh, cool. tons and tons of uh, information but but basically uh, you know the EPA is not implementing the law as Congress intended and in fact they're turning back the clock and they're basically doing everything that they can that uh, basically uh, sweeps the legs out of the law mm. uh, making it really easy for industry to continue to bring uh, new chemicals to market that mm. are not uh, uh, extensively tested yep. Yeah. Extensively tested and adequately evaluated by the agency. And then for existing chemicals, you know, chemicals that are out there like phthalates and flame retardants and bisphenol A and others, as the agency is evaluating these chemicals, they're saying, well, we're only going to look at certain uses. Uh, so, for example, for asbestos, uh, which kills 15,000 people in this country at least, they're mm-hmm. saying, we're not going to look at these legacy uses of asbestos. We're not going to look at, you know, its, you know, existing uses in buildings and schools and people's homes. We're only going to look at these very specific uses. Uh, for other chemicals, they're saying we're not going to look at the air emissions. We're not going to look at the water emissions. We're not going to look at the waste emissions. We're just going to look at certain uh, very specific uses. So. By doing these things in very interesting and really clever ways, uh, the EPA is really doing exactly what the chemical industry wants, which is to make it seem like they're implementing this reform, uh, but they're really just following the beck and call of the chemical industry and doing everything that they can that would uh, likely lead to few uh, regulations of chemicals. And that's why for us, uh, we're really looking to what will happen when the, when the next Congress comes in uh, after this election. It'll be interesting to see how that might give us some new opportunities to advocate for reform. And at the same time, we're really, uh, we're really doubling down in the marketplace, uh, holding big retailers and corporations accountable. And then increasingly also collaborating with partners in states around the United States to, mm. uh, to leverage the power of states to drive change. Uh, you know, the past 10 to 20 years, we've seen dozens and dozens of states pass laws uh, that oftentimes are uh, the first shots across the bow when it comes to regulating chemicals. Uh, just for example, uh, this past year, Washington state uh, became the first state in the country to uh, ban PFAS chemicals in food and food packaging. So, And for people uh, don't- who don't
0: know what that is, can you just give us a, a quick rundown?
1: Yeah, so, you know, there, there are many chemicals that we work on uh, and PFAS are chemicals that we've been working on more and more over the past couple of years. These are, uh, these are chemicals that are some of the most long-lived chemicals on the planet. Uh, they don't break down in the environment. Uh, they literally uh, can exist and persist in the environment for, for thousands of years. It's almost like they're radioactive. Uh, they're not radioactive, but it's like the radioactive in that they stick around for, for thousands of years. And uh, these are chemicals that can be uh, toxic at incredibly low levels of exposure. Uh, and they've been linked to reproductive harm, developmental harm. Uh, these are really, really nasty chemicals. They're often added to products to uh, make them grease or water resistant. So mm-hmm. if you ever had a Teflon pan, oh, uh, yeah. chances are, people have. contain these chemicals. Oh yeah, uh, myself included. If you had a raincoat that was uh, waterproof, uh, like Gore-Tex, it uh, probably contained these chemicals. So, uh, one of the one of the uses of the chemicals that we're really concerned about is uh, they're often uh, found in uh, food packaging. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're they're used to impart uh, resistance to to grease and stains and water and food packaging and food contact materials. So uh, there was a study that was put out last year that found these chemicals in uh, 33% of uh, fast food packaging that was tested. These chemicals were found uh, in the packaging. And sadly, they're not just in the packaging, but they can migrate out, they can get into the food and as a result, make their way into our bodies. So- absolutely yeah, a
0: microwave popcorn is probably my favorite common example. Right. So many right. people
1: pop those little PFAS bags in
0: the microwave and right. three minutes and right. 20 seconds later, they think they're having a fun little treat on a Friday night. And right. I mean, no one's, no one talks about that in a mainstream situation. So it's brilliant right. that you guys are bringing awareness around that as well.
1: Right. Well, here's the good news. Uh, Washington state, uh, uh, in uh, here in the U.S., they became the first state in the United States to ban these chemicals in food packaging. Amazing, and that's exciting because if you're, you know, a big grocery retailer, you know, a company like a Kroger or a Walmart, you're mm. not just going to ban these chemicals and stop using them in this one state. You're going to do this all across the country, and perhaps, hopefully, uh, all across the world. Mm. Uh, so that's uh, so we're working now to leverage uh, this victory. Uh, We actually, just uh, a couple weeks ago, we sent letters to dozens and dozens of top uh, grocery chains and big box stores and fast food chains and restaurants and say, hey, Washington passed this law. We want you to get these chemicals and other chemicals out of food and food packaging. Mm -hmm. Uh, It's a great thing to do. Your customers want food that is safe and healthy. and Uh, There are safer and healthier alternatives that are out there. If a study found that 33% of fast food packaging contain these chemicals, that means that 67% of them did not, demonstrating that you can actually, uh, you know, make, you know, microwave popcorn and other food contact materials, food packaging, without these really nasty chemicals. Mm. So that's the good news. Yeah, it's and, uh, great news
0: because these companies all strive for systemization, processes, economy of scale. And so when you're able to convince one state to change that, they don't want to then have to like, I mean, that would be, that would make Washington <coughs> state hugely unprofitable for them on those products right. overnight because right. they have right. to just make it for that one state, one special way. So right. that it's like you were talking about with the paint stripper example. You've just got to convince one and then you hopefully start to get that domino effect.
1: Absolutely. Absolutely. And we've already, uh, you know, I said, you know, as I mentioned, we sent these letters to all these companies. We've already started <clears throat> meeting with, uh, with companies and we heard from one major uh, food chain who I can't say, but they're, you know, within the top 15 food retailers in America uh, we heard from them uh just last week that they're taking this very seriously and they're now investigating where these chemicals are are being used in their in their food packaging
0: amazing i had a
1: meeting with another major grocery chain just yesterday who uh who said the same thing so uh we're really excited to kind of you know take the lessons that we and the some of the some of the yeah some of the lessons we learned from this recent campaign around these deadly paint stripper chemicals and kind of take those lessons and uh, replicate it uh, in the food sector. Because if there's anywhere that toxic chemicals should not be, certainly it's in uh, food packaging and in the food itself. And it's not just the PFAS chemicals, there's other chemicals that get into food that we're concerned about, like, uh, like phthalates. Mm. Our number, number one route of exposure to phthalates uh, is in the food uh, that we all eat. Uh, In fact, we put out a report, we co-released a report last year that found it uh, widespread in um, macaroni and cheese products, like macaroni and cheese. So we think there's a real opportunity for grocery stores and food companies uh, to take action on chemicals like these in food because customers, consumers want food that is safe and healthy and nutritious for their children and for their families and loved ones
0: mm, amazing and th- I think the American Academy of Pediat- Pediatrics just brought out last week a finding of a study around food packaging as well re- as well which was just fantastic to see a pediatric body getting behind this because I think I-, I don't know whether you've struggled with this Mike in any meetings that you've had or even starting a conversation. You know, I can just picture the big boss of a multinational going, I don't want some hippie greenie activist in front of me trying <laughs> to tell me we can't. I bet you get that pretty much every day. Um, right. But, uh, but like once you can get scientists and doctors to, to get in and do the research, analyze the research and put up the red flag, it really brings a huge weight to the case for change, right?
1: Oh absolutely it's it's a real it's a real game changer and you know doctors and scientists are sounding the alarm mm. that ninety percent of American women and I'm sure this is true worldwide, ninety percent of women of childbearing age have toxic chemicals in their bodies that can increase the risk of brain damage and loss of intelligence and uh, other serious illnesses for their babies over time. so, Doctors and scientists are incredible spokespeople for change and uh, we we partner and work with many uh, incredibly inspiring doctors that are uh, really stepping out to to use their voice and leverage their expertise to to call for change and we were, uh, it was funny, we just published a a column uh, on Friday in in an online publication about this campaign and three days later, the American Academy of Pediatrics came out with this with this announcement mm. calling attention to the exact same chemicals that we were focusing in on. So it was a perfect moment for us and it really is incredibly helpful when we have doctors such as pediatricians uh, raising their voice, you know, because they're seeing it, you know, their, their patients the children that they work with, you know, asthma has been skyrocketing in mm. recent de- decades. Uh, childhood cancers are on the rise, so they're seeing it in their patients. That the children that they work with, uh, something is going on. Something is wrong here. Yeah. And uh, you know, and the, you know, and they're looking at the the scientific literature, and they're seeing that uh, you know uh, there are uh, many chemicals that are contributing uh, to these illnesses that they're seeing it in their patients. And they, if you talk to them, they refer to it as. Uh, as a silent epidemic.
0: Yeah, that's right. And what actually one of the things that I do in my talks that are aimed at parent groups uh, is Uh I just say, okay, everybody put up your hand. If you can like think back to when you were a kid and think about everybody in your class and think about how many Ventolin puffers you would have seen back then in average day and like maybe one or two people remember a kid with asthma or having to carry a puffer around at school. Right. And then I say, okay, now think about any people in your class that had a food allergy or an intolerance or had to eat special Mm. food different to the rest of the class. Uh, and, um, and hardly anyone, it'll be like one or two people maximum per talk. And I'm talking some groups of 50, a hundred people. And, right. uh, and then I say, okay, now think about being a parent now and all the kids in your little kids class and how many people have either eczema, asthma or food allergy and three quarters of the room's hands go up knowing that, that it's either their child or their child's best friend or, you know, it's that close to home now and it's that prolific, uh, it's, um it's that pervasive as a problem. So it's, um it's. It's. I mean, society is ripe for waking up right now.
1: Oh, yeah, that's incredible. I mean, you know, uh, one of our biggest constituencies or partners we work with every day are young moms who are um, super concerned that, you know, there's chemicals like bisphenol A in the canned foods that mm-hmm. they may serve to their families or phthalates uh, in their makeup or flame retardants and their children's car seats I mean young moms have just been an incredible uh, voice for change in our movement mm. and they're you know they're they're changing society because they're demanding that you know the old way of doing business is is not good enough no. you know that we need we need a paradigm change in our society uh, and it's unacceptable for chemicals that can cause cancer asthma infertility uh, autism and other health problems. It is unacceptable for those products to be uh, – it's unacceptable for these chemicals to be into products that we bring home for our families and children and loved ones. Uh, Big corporations need to change uh, how they do business and get these poisonous chemicals out. And it's incredible just seeing how some of these mainstream brands and companies are now totally changing how they do business. It's Mm. really fascinating to see, even over the past – three years, we've seen just a real tidal wave of change. Oh, I agree. Industry. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Literally from moms uniting on social media. And I know there are many dads who are also a part of this conversation, a really powerful day, but it does tend to be majority moms. And I know that from having run online education, I think of about four and a half thousand students so far, we've had 20 guys. Um, So Mm. it is, I mean, it's, I'm not generalizing. It's fact. It's mainly um, women. And, there's just something about I think that biological want desire to protect on, on a really primal level your baby mm. when you you know sniff that something isn't quite right you will you will chase down every rabbit hole on the internet until you find the answer and um, right And it's really just such a joy to watch people's little um, light switch on and then the power of that for themselves, for their families, for their communities. once that lights on, it's just beautiful, it's amazing. And then you buy stuff and you think, I'm really, really happy I'm buying this thing and I'm supporting this amazing transparent business and I've done all my research. Like it feels deeply satisfying to back yeah, the right people. Be,
1: right. It can be really empowering to know, you know, I, it's it's a little cheesy to say, you know, you know, the power of the purse, but, you know, it is incredibly powerful that, you know, when we as consumers, you know, leverage our purchasing power to – to, to 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 influence these companies, it's, it's it can be very gratifying, absolutely, and empowering to, to know that your your uh you know, your your dollars are not going to uh, some company whose products may be, you know, poisoning uh, you know, some village in Asia, in China or, mm. you know, uh, you know, you're feeding food to your to your babies that um, could put them at risk of disease later in life. I mean, you know, it's it's the right thing to do, but it's also, yeah, it could just be totally emotionally uh, gratifying and uh, intellectually gratifying on so many different levels. Totally. So many different levels. Yeah. yeah. And, I mean,
0: Mars Company doesn't just take petroleum-based colors out of their M&Ms just for kicks because they just thought that might <laughs> be fun to do. They do it right. because they realize just how powerful a consumer that is wet is. awake is and uh and it's just I, I just love seeing what's happening every day you see another big company you know unilever is actually making a commitment to list the components of what is behind the word fragrance um i think as early as next year they're going to start doing that so it'll be very interesting to see once we have that transparency just how many compounds are in there and what they are so we can um have greater visibility on what people are using
1: Right, right, and when you know, when we engage with retailers in the campaign, that's one of the things, one of the key things we've been pushing them to focus in on. Mm-hmm. You know, you have the power to say to companies, you know, the WalMarts and the Targets and the Amazons of the world. You have the power to say to your suppliers that you want them to disclose not only to them, business to business, but you want uh, these big suppliers, the Unilevers, the Procter and Gamble's of the world to disclose their ingredients to consumers. And Mm. since retailers, companies like Target and Walmart have been asking these big brands to disclose over the past five years, there's just been a tidal wave of Mm. major brands, Unilever, SC Johnson, P&G and others that are beginning to finally disclose information that for years, for years they said were confidential business information or trade secrets. Uh, I think we're really entering a new age of uh, radical transparency. And I, I think we'll really see more and more companies begin to disclose chemicals, not only that are in like formulated products like cosmetics and cleaning products, but even things like clothing and electronics. Mm. Oh, no, they're, they're too the, the
0: next big ones, right? I think. Right.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Because consumers want to know this stuff. You know, we want to know, you know, does this car seat that I'm buying for my baby, you know, does it contain, you know, a flame retardant that uh, is linked to cancer? And mm-hmm. you know, you know, we and we think that consumers have a fundamental right to know. We have a right to know that whether the products we're bringing into our homes for our families and loved ones, uh, whether they contain chemicals that. Uh, may be harmful uh, in the long term.
0: Mm, absolutely. And in terms of, I guess to finish up, I'd love to ask you yeah. the, the question: um, a question around that person who's awake, they're inspired. Um, what is some? What is one of the most powerful things a consumer can do beyond just buying differently? Uh, is it writing a letter? Mm. Is it posting on social media? Like, what is the most effective next step? for the, um, yeah. the activist light 1.0 type person who right. just, who doesn't want to like join an organization and make it their life's mission, but who wants to make right. sure that they're still <laughs> moving things forward. Cause you know, that's that's there's a lot of power to be tapped
1: into with that person. You know, I don't think there's just one thing that you can do, but I would say if there is one thing to do, I think it is contacting companies directly, whether it be a brand or manufacturer or retailer, and ask them, you know, does this children's car seat contain a flame Mm. retardant? Does this lipstick that I'm buying for my daughter um, contain lead? Mm. Uh, You know, does this food packaging uh, that I'm buying from your store, you know, does it contain uh, PFAS or bisphenol A? Mm. Just some of those and, and demanding that these companies reformulate and get hazardous chemicals such as these out. I've heard time and time again from huge companies, companies like Walmart and Target and Best Buy and others, that one of the reasons that they're developing these new safer chemicals initiatives is because they're hearing from their customers, or customers are asking this information. And that really does make a difference. Sometimes it's just one customer asking a question like this that can make a difference. I was talking to one uh, big office supply company uh, Staples a couple of years ago, and they were telling me just because one of their customers asked them whether or not their thermal receipt paper uh, in their stores, whether it contained bisphenol A or bisphenol S, that started a huge journey for them to know, to understand because they had no idea whether their receipt paper contained these chemicals. And, Sure enough, it did, and that started that company on a journey to begin to investigate whether they can find a safer alternative. So that would be the thing that I could do that I would say. ask questions, demand companies, change their practices. Sometimes uh, you know we think that we're you know speaking into a well and no one is hearing us, but uh, those those little questions that we're all asking uh, is causing huge ripple effects through. Uh, through corporate uh, huge corporations and through global supply chain so that is a really powerful thing that all of us can do uh, whether it's an email whether it's you know a handwritten letter or even uh, tweeting at a company or commenting on them on Facebook or Instagram these are all powerful ways that we can try to reach these companies and decision makers.
0: Mm, Such a great tip. And I think what speaks volumes especially is when you don't get a reply at all and you try (laughs) like three different ways. I remember wanting to find out whether a particular brand of pork was feeding GMO grains to the Mm. animals. And um And uh, and I asked because, you know, there was a celebrity healthy chef that was ambassadoring the brand. So I thought, oh, that mm. might, you know, if that person's behind it, it could be okay. Right. But I, of course, did my due diligence and asked them on Facebook, asked them on Instagram, sent two customer service emails, never
1: heard <laughs> back. And I was oh, just oh, like,
0: that? oh, you cheeky people. That's horrible. <laughs> um, yeah, then you, you know. know they
1: got something to hide. Exactly, don't right.
0: I always, you know, coach people in our community, if it takes you like 10 clicks on one website and then having to email customer service to request the ingredient list, you know, all that kind of stuff just to find out what's in a cleaning product,
1: then you can pretty
0: much bet that they're trying to do everything they can to not let you see what's in that
1: thing. Right, right. Mm. Or, you know, they just have no idea and they're trying to figure it out. Because a lot of times, you know, these companies, especially for, you know, Uh, things that we call articles, things like clothing and electronics and furniture, companies have no idea what's going into their products. They have no idea. Mm. Uh, So, you know, sometimes when you ask those questions, it's not because they're not only ignoring you, but they might also be trying to figure that out because they have no idea. They have no idea, which is why we need to continue to ask these questions and demand change because it's when we raise our voices as consumers uh, that can be really transformative and, and we are we're making incredible differences uh, but we need to keep it up and really uh, put put our floor on the ga- put the, put the pedal uh, to the gas and you know really amp up and call for change because we're changing um, huge corporations all across the world and we need to keep that up and raise our voices as consumers because uh, we really have I mm-hmm. think most people have no idea how much power we have and we need to continue leveraging that power that we that we have as consumers
0: oh, thanks so much mike and thank you for this powerful conversation um because i think when we talk about these things when we listen to how people are actually creating change it gives us all so many ideas on an individual community and organizational level um so i really really appreciate you joining me for the show and, and i've had a great time chatting to you and thank you so much once again for the work you guys do
1: Yeah, thank you. It's been a pleasure. And if folks want to learn more about our work and sign up for our e-list, you can visit us at saferchemicals.org. And we're, of course, also on Facebook and Twitter. Yeah. And thank you so much and thanks for all that you do. Great oh, work. Really thanks, appreciate it. Um, yeah. yeah,
0: and your website is packed with resources. So especially um for the North Americans listening to the show, there are so many ways to get involved, to get information, to see what's going on locally to you. It's um it's super inspiring. So keep doing what you do and uh and I hope everybody enjoys the show. Head to the show notes for all of the details uh, that we spoke about, those chemicals, the links. Thank you so much for listening to today's show. I hope you enjoyed it as much as I enjoy having these conversations and bringing them to you. Now, where can you find me and Lotox Life from here on in? Well, you've obviously got lotoxlife.com and there we have everything beautifully organised into food, home, body and mind topics as well as kids and a whole bunch of free downloadables and resources to help you, inspire you to take community action and there's amazing A to Z recipes there if you're ever getting a little bit stale in the kitchen and a whole bunch of articles that I've written. You can also find me on Instagram at lotoxlife and also on Facebook by a page the same name. I'm Make everything super easy. Lotox life, so you can find it really, really simply. Thank you so much to everybody who leaves a five-star review over on Stitcher or iTunes or wherever it is that you tune into the show. And also to let you know that you can join us on Patreon, P-A-T-R-E-O-N.com forward slash lowtox life and come join the private lowtox life club in there over time more and more cool stuff is about to be added it's a place where we can continue the conversations chat about the weekly show you're going to get bonus q a and all sorts of things over time i explain everything over on patreon so i encourage you to check that out and in the meantime i'll see you next week